Hello and welcome to episode four of Holsh Fidelity. Tonight I'll be talking with a, a good mate about all things TV on the radio. Hailing from the dynamic music scene of Brooklyn, TV on the radio is a visionary band that eludes easy classification. Formed in the early 2000s, this eclectic ensemble effortlessly blends indie rock, post-punk, soul and electronic experimentation to craft a sound that is both distinctive and captivating. Renowned for their boundary-pushing creativity, TV on the radio weaves together ethereal vocals, poetic lyricism and innovative production techniques, resulting in music that transcends conventional genres. Their discography including standout albums like Dear Science and Return to Cookie Mountain, traces a journey of sonic exploration addressing themes of love, politics and the human experience. With a reputation for enthralling live performances and an unwavering commitment to musical evolution, TV on the radio remains a testament to the enduring power of artistic innovation in the contemporary music landscape. Now, my mate that's joining me tonight... He's coming all the way from a pub in Abu Dhabi, United Arab Emirates. How you going, Lasty? Hey, how are we, Holsh? It's great to be here. Yeah. Drinking the, uh, the beer of choice uh, of Holsh Fidelity, Budva. <laughs> a Czech beer. Okay, a Czech beer. Czech beer. Aren't Czech beers uh, like 8%? Is this it? Not this one. Not that one. <laughs> okay. So tonight in the lead up to doing this TV on the radio episode, I was speaking to my wife and she was saying, if Dan's on, what artist are you doing? I said, oh, TV on the radio and straight away she was like, oh yeah, that makes sense. He wouldn't stop playing those back in the day. Now, why did you love TV on the radio so much and, and how did you sort of stumble on them? Yeah, well, we've got a bit of a, if I recall correctly, a, um, like a kindred connection to TV on the radio. And I don't know if you remember this. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's nodding like yeah I remember exactly what I forced him to talk about which is why I've chosen for this um, we when I first got into really thinking about collecting vinyl records and you were so enthused as a vinyl record collection at the time you and you still have a new record player that I got on board and spent my first paycheck as a 21 year old teacher up in Queensland and there you were came up to me with a big cheesy grin on your face and handed me the Dear Science record. There you go. And I, imme- and I immediately pulled out the first record that I bought along with my record player, which was the exact same Dear Science record. <laughs> so we, um, I've got two of those still sitting in the collection. Holy shit. And- <laughs> I actually don't know? remember that, but that is something that I would have done. That was a, <laughs> that was a cool memory for me. Very seminal moment. Um, <laughs> but yeah. And you still got both I copies. Yeah, one for scratching, <laughs> um, <laughs> one for serving the dishes. No, absolutely. Well, actually, I played that, played, but I still get a little bit of a run, but I played that record until the grooves were non-existent anymore, basically. So, yeah, having two copies wasn't a problem yeah, wow. at all for me. Yeah, it's a great record. And then thinking about when I first got into them, where I was in my life, it was like, you know, 2006, I was halfway through doing my university degree. I think when I first started listening to them, when, when Return to Cookie Mountain came out and just their sound and their, the, the way that they were um, experimenting just like was the epitome of cool of what I thought uh, at the time and just something so beyond and so different to what was really happening, I guess, in Brisbane <laughs> <laughs> at an arts degree at the Queensland University of Technology. Yeah. Um, and just like putting that together, just sort of, oh, wow, the music could be so much more. Um, this is what I was thinking every time and some fantastic live performances during that time, which I'm sure we'll touch on um, throughout the podcast. But yeah, it's just instant, an instant infatuation with this band. I still haven't loved the hoodie that I bought like the first time I saw them. And thankfully, it still fits me. Um, they're just, they were everything to me. Still really are. It's like it's always an artist that I'll go back to. How, like, if you were comparing, like you said, when you are in, in, was it in college, in uni, and when you heard Cookie Mountain, like, how would you compare Cookie Mountain to Dear Science? And which I mean, one do you love more? It's like choosing between children. <laughs> and I've only got one child, makes that choice easy for me, but I can't choose between these two. When I, 
think about the songs that I listen to most, it's Return to Cookie Mountain. And when I think about, like, I think the answer you're meant to say is Return to Cookie Mountain. Like, if you look at the Pitchfork reviews and things like that, yeah. then Return to Cookie Mountain is what you're meant to say. But just some of the tracks on Dear Science is just undeniable. Like, DLZ, when that kicks in, it's just one of the, like, it's one of the heaviest, meanest ones that I know and just love. So just, that just amps me up a lot. But, yeah, I think I, I think I listened to the Return to Cookie Mountain a little bit more. Maybe by the end of this podcast, I'll make a decision. Before we jump into the fives, so I had a, a quick look at some of their major influences that have come about for them to explore and, and create the, their music. Their major influences were from 70s art rock, David Bowie and Brian Eno, then post-punk, Joy Division and The Wire, 80s indie rock, Sonic Youth and, and Pixies, as we were saying prior to the episode, everyone's influenced by the Pixies. And and then yeah. also classic soul with Sam Cooke, Al Green. And I know during my uh, research over the last week and a half, I didn't realise that nearly every second, maybe two out of every three songs by these guys has like the woo-oos and ahs and the swooning sort of sounds and it's 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 a signature move of theirs and and that's where i can see that sam cook al green sort of influence i really think absolutely and i really think that more than some other bands they use their their lead singer tunday tunday's vocals as an instrument it's an instrument yes it's an instrument more than just he's just there to sing about whatever he wants to bang on about um and you'll see in my top five that's something that really resonates with me the way he uses that and then that balanced against Kit Malone's falsetto vocals yeah. coming through. It's like, yeah, it's, it's perfect for me. And then, you know, if you've got David Bowie in your corner, if, you, if you're doing songs with David Bowie, like Providence on Return to Cookie Mountain, then you're going to be A-OK by most music lovers' standards. So that's it. I'm always a big fan. And you think about just the interconnectedness that this band has with everyone else. Like their producer is Dave Sitek, who's the guitarist in the band as well, produces their albums and produces albums for the, the indie rock ecosystem in New York at that time, was making Yeah, Yeah, Yeah's records, Foles uh-huh. um, records, not that they're from UK. I mean, not that they're from New York. Yeah, you're connecting the dots from TV on the radio, the different projects that they're working in, to the different bands that both you and I sort of at that time grew up loving and listening. Even the way the band came about, that's like kind of interesting. Like I saw that I think two of them, I think maybe Kit Malone, and Dave's Tech were working in the same coffee shop somewhere in Brooklyn. And then they've moved in and started, either moved into or was at a studio space in the same building. But Tunday came out, I've been butchering his surname, so I'm just going to call him Tunday. That uh, he. Adabimpe. Adabimpe, sorry about that, yeah. That he was in. And just like, it's very organic the way it came through. And then you think about that, you had Tunde doing his, like, you know, working with voice and working with Loops early doors, bringing the guitars in um, with both Kip and, and with Dave's tech. So just that evolving mm. and that coming out of this scene in Brooklyn and then they're obviously, you know, hanging around and producing and working with the yeah, yeahs at that same time, but Dave's tech's producing in with it. Yeah, I mean... That would have been something else just to be a part of. Like, that's real creativity happening in that moment. And I think that's why I loved it so much because, you know, I was at university and thinking, okay, this is real creativity. What, you know, we're doing, we're doing an art studio, we're doing drama. We feel like we're part of this. Mm. <laughs> but that was in Brisbane. <laughs> <laughs> this is like happening in New York. And it wasn't until this summer when I first actually made it to New York and I was there over the summer break and I was staying there in Brooklyn. And just walking around these places and thinking, to my, I constantly found myself thinking, yeah, this all makes sense, that this is the inspiration and this is where these bands that I like, adore and worship came out of and just like thinking about what it might have been like going to some of these early gigs, oh, yeah. early rough and raw gigs and some of these jam sessions and just early recordings. Man, it would have been, would have been something else. It's a hotbed, right? An absolute hotbed. Yeah, the bars and the you know the the dive bars over there that they would have played in and drinking your two dollar pints and watching Tunde and Kip letting loose 
And and when you spoke about drama as well, Tunde since in the last decade or so, he, he's made movies, uh, short movies, and mm. he's fully into that at the moment. So you know they are artists in, in a lot of different aspects, sure. and, and that's that's definitely another connection. Yeah, they're all obviously fantastic artists, as musicians, but artists within their own right mm. in different areas, and even you know Jaleel Burton, I think, who's their uh, other member at the moment, the drummer, they're like, he was just the best guitarist that they knew at the time. They said, go play on the drums. Be a drummer. <laughs> and they had, um, yeah, just, just that, that whole that whole idea of just people being around that time. It's like, okay, you're excellent at what you do. Come be with us. I would love to have just to be a fly on many of those walls oh, that were happening. Uh, and yeah, the di- directing chops of Shunde and his acting is also something that definitely appeals to me. Yeah, and have, have you ever lucky enough to see them live? Yeah, definitely. I was counting, I was trying to count out on my on my two hands how many times I've seen them live, but <laughs> unfortunately I've got too many hands for that. Um, I think it's only the two times I ended up seeing them. And the first was at this time, like 2006, Splendor in the Grass, back at the old camping grounds, the old Byron camping grounds, the footy park or something like that, like the one just 10 minutes out of the town. It was the year that Brian Wilson was the headliner there and they played an afternoon set that just I stood there, front bang and centre, and just my jaw on the muddy floor of this <laughs> disgusting mosh pit underneath the super top. Just everything happening. And it was when we get into the top five, there's a direct link to one of the songs there, seeing it live, seeing the way that they played it, just blowing my mind with with how they used the percussion of that one. So that was an absolute highlight. Let's move on to our, our top fives now. This is the, the crux of the, the episode. Now, we've both gone away and, and picked our fives, and I can say that they're, they're very different, very, very different. But I, I believe you've also got a, a couple of special mentions there. Yeah, absolutely. I'm you know, going to be a little bit um, conniving, a little bit sneaky about it. So I made sure I had a look at your top five firstly before I um, pick my top five so I could just slide some favourites of mine in through yours. So that ticked off a couple boxes. Um, but then, yeah, you know, like I've been saying, the early work and the messy stuff and that idea of the beginnings and the origins of this band is something that really, really speaks out to me. And so I've got a couple honourable mentions from early doors that aren't on any of the full-length records, one of them being a cover, Mr Greaves, by the Pixies, uh, yes. going back to the influences. I think that it might be a requirement of this podcast for um, you know, the Pixies to be mentioned as an influence of the brand because <laughs> about four from four. But this cover of Mr. Greaves is it's really focusing on that a cappella style that we've been chatting about. It's, it's using Sunday's uh, vocals as the instrument. It sounds like an old barbershop quartet. When I listen to it, yeah, I can just like picture the guys in the you know the red hats and the striped sort of shirts singing this one. <laughs> What's that floating in the water? Oh, Neptune's only daughter. I believe in Mr. Greaves. Pray for a man in the middle, one that talks like. That's an absolute little humdinger. Yeah, the other one I've got there is New Health Rock um, on one of the early EPs as well. And it's just got a great shouty, like energetic chorus in it. It's just got a couple of the early signals of like what the signature of TV on the radio songs would be and, and tracks that I would that really be invested in would be. So. Uh, that's just another one that I want to throw in as my, an honourable mention. My wife and I were having a we're having a cheeky gin about an hour before we we hooked up for the episode, and and she was having a dance to new new health rock. So yeah, she got the <laughs> she gave it the tick of approval, mate.
five. So my number five comes from Dear Science, and it's an energetic piece. It's called Dancing Chews. So I, I think it's near the top of the album, maybe number three around that mark. And the reason I love this song so much, apart from the high energy, is the way that Tunde delivers the lyrics. Just he's belting them out, but also the lyrics themselves. Now, I don't completely understand what he's talking about, but it seems like portions of it I can tell are like they're real stabs at, at consumerism. This is, this is a quote that he actually stated, and he said, It sounds simplistic, but what I write is based on a life experience filtered through a process. You could write a story that says, I was surfing the web, got sick of myself, and so I went to a bar, and then I got sick of the people there and hated them so much as I hated myself. So I went home and fell asleep disgusted with myself. Dancing Choose, in many ways, is that song. It is an extract with lines thrown together that hopefully works as well as a poem does and gives enough of a description of a scene. So that may be why I don't completely understand all the lyrics of Dancing Choose, <laughs> the way that he describes it there. But to me, it feels like an angry song. Like a lot of it's... For sure. It's like, you know, this, you know, he's a what, he's a what, he's a newspaper man and he gets his ideas from newspaper stands. It's like this maybe echo chambers are feeding into yourselves um, and that cool idea. Mm-hmm. And opening up, and yeah, and that's just—it's an intense, intense track. It's um, it gives off a real like. I guess this is what this album's going to be about. Early Doors, first one I think on Dear Science comes through and punches you in the face. There's the, the great scenes and political comment um within that song as well. Yeah, I'm very glad you chose it because it was also one that would have been in my top. <laughs> there's there's one there's one verse in 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 particular that I can relate to, and it's because. In my blood, I'm a collector. You know that. If I start buying nah. something, I have to have it all. So that's why I've got, you know, close to 900 vinyl. And the kids came along, so I bought, like, way too much Lego. And, you know, just just crazy <laughs> shit. That you, you, you get into this yep. thing where, you know, stuff. It's just stuff. But you get yep. on – you start on it and then you, you, you're sort of stuck. You're like, I need to finish it. And there's this, there's this verse – Though he expresses, expresses some confusion about his part in the plan and he can't understand that he's not in command, the decisions underwritten by the cash in his hand bought a sweater for his Y Marina 2, which is one of those really cute <laughs> grey dogs with the big floppy ears. Um, <laughs> it's just basically saying, like, yeah, you haven't got control. Once you start, you don't care. What, what's money, you know? So, and to the point yeah. that he's bought a sweater for his dog as well. And I'm like, shit, that's me. I'm, I'm the bloke that's buying the Y Marina a sweater. And so anyway, that's my number five. So we'll play a bit of it now and uh, so we can get on with the, the real deal. Last he's number five. Man, I love that song. But now, let's get the guru in. Lasty, hit, hit me with your number five. All right. For my number five, I've gone to the penultimate track on Return uh, from Cookie Mountain. Sorry, Return to Cookie Mountain. And I'm going with Tonight, yeah. uh, which is a track written solely by Adabimpe, Tunde Adabimpe, um, but obviously performed with the whole band. And I think you're going to see a theme in my songs that I've chosen where I like the slow burns, I like the build-ups, I like the 
instrumentation and I like the more is more is more and the build to a crescendo moments that happen. And this one for me is just one that is always, I just had ideas of like, I've wanted to use this in work that I've done. I've wanted to use this basically in every play that I've put on, even if it's like a middle school fast <laughs> play that I'm doing. Like I want to fit this song in there somewhere. And I, I've not found a way yet. <laughs> that's the goal. It's just one of those beautiful slow songs. I, I love the, the lyrics. And like you said, like TV on the radio has this chart for the love song, which kind of comes out of left field. And this is one of the ones that really resonates with me going through. The emotions that this song um, is able to draw out within me is one that I absolutely love. And I just think it's, such a great way to almost bring an album to a close um and yeah just yeah absolutely beautiful song for me yeah it really is and when you named this song i was like what the fuck is tonight which one is that and <laughs> when i put it on the thing was it was so like i knew it from playing yeah. Cookie Man so much and I, I turned to, to Kate and said man I love this song I, I, you know I never knew it was called Tonight and and it's got a lot of those signature woos and oohs as well all right well let, I think let's uh let's play a, a chunk of Tonight now so everyone can uh slowly meander along with it Okay, so five's out of the way. Moving on to number four for myself. Number four. Now, this is probably the most cliche selection in the TV and the, on the radio catalogue. So number four, from Return to Cookie Mountain, again, Wolf Like Me. Heard of it? Is that a new track? <laughs> 2023. <laughs> Look, I can't see it on the radio. <laughs> Honestly, the very start of it, anyone that listens to that first 15 seconds of the track on, on good headphones or a good speaker, your heart rate's going to rise. Simple as that. Like, you don't even have to go to F45 Studio or anything. You could just play the first 15 seconds on repeat and you'd be, you'd be fit and healthy. That's how it works. Wolf Like Me, that, that opening drum pulse and then... That baseline, it, it just, it literally is a buzz. And once again, incredible lyrics. And I'm not like 100% sure. I, I know everyone, we, we understand it's about sex. It, it feels like it's a sex addict speaking almost to the, to the, through the, the words of this one with the, the werewolf, the full moon metaphor for when he's fucking ready to get it on. <laughs> and I don't know, it's, it's, it's one of those songs that, it, it, it's ex almost exploding the whole time, but then it turns itself right on its head for the bridge. It's almost like the, the full moon's getting covered up by some clouds for a little while there, and it's just like comes down a tone, and then the clouds pass, and he's just like, okay, I'm, I'm twice as ravenous now. And, and it just finishes off like, you know, it's just raw, animalistic, I don't know, power. Alan forever. Ugh. It's it's We're howling awesome. Forever. Yeah, that that's Kip in the background. We're howling for forever. Yeah. Ooh, ooh. Just sort of bobbing, bobbing my head along, singing the bridge to myself, <laughs> going through it. To myself, yeah, it's just like that's a that's a great moment. And like it, it reminded me, <laughs> I can remember as a whippersnapper, 
as a young 20-year-old idiot, um, you know, spending Friday nights out at Rick's Bar in the Valley in Brunswick, in Brunswick Street in, in Brisbane. And we'd be in that tiny, god-awful room at the front of Rick's oh, Bar. That, that, I like, hate that room. <laughs> Lucky they made a beer garden since. <laughs> and we'd just constantly go up and test it, whoever the like the next the DJ at the time, who was like some, somebody who thought they were somebody in the Brisbane music scene, and we were somebody who thought we were somebody because we were requesting to somebody who thought they were somebody in the Brisbane music scene. But without fail, at some point in the night, about three times it felt like they'd play Wolf Like Me. And I can just distinctly remember, like at the bridge, just um, everyone in the club, everyone in the mixed bar would be down, like on all fours, basically, ready, like just rolling, rocking down to the bridge, going through. And then as soon as they'd kick into the bridge to the final chorus, um, yeah, it's just the whole place would be rocking. Definitely fire codes being broken uh, with the way people were dancing <laughs> to that song in 2005, 2006. Man, that's. At a Rick's bar. Okay, what do you got? Great track, Holsey. All right, my number four, I'm coming in with a method also of Return to Cookie Mountain. <laughs> uh, the trend. They're in the middle. Yeah, yeah, there might be a trend for me. <laughs> the fact that we're talking about, we're basically talking about our favorite album, 2006. <laughs> um, this song, and it, it's attached to like memories of live of a live performance and um, the first time seeing TV on the radio um, perform live, it's attached to, because I've not been able to see TV on, the, TV on the radio for over a decade, me searching up YouTube clips of them performing and seeing the way they perform a method. And then also this recurring theme of mine of like the love for the acapella and the percussion uh, of the band. And just the, the vocals starting kicking in with this, the um, this kind of just very slow rhythmic body percussion coming through that was there into the lead up and the, the crescendo of all of the drums kicking in is just phenomenal in this track. Um, one that I really love and, and the, the real link and the real memory to me is seeing them live the first time at that 2006 uh, Splendor was I just thinking when they're playing, I think just before the song, they all the drums are brought out in front of it and they've just poured all of their water from all like from backstage from the green room. That all their bottles of water are all poured over the drums. And it's like, what's going on here? Why are they pouring water all over their drums? Like what kind of weird baptism ceremony is this going on? <laughs> anyway. And I was like, they're just pouring water. Like why don't they play the instruments? Why don't they drum it? What's going on? He's got it going in and this kicks in to the, all of the drums coming on in and smashing it out that, and the water just flies right off it and it's like a really spectacular visual, especially if it's 3.30 in the afternoon, um, day two of a splendor in the grass and everybody's half cut. <laughs> it, oh, man. it was something pretty spectacular and pretty phenomenal. So like that's something that I've always remembered there is hardly a method you know
Very, very nice. Very nice. Okay. Moving to my number three now. Number three. This is the opening track from Dear Science 2008. It's called Halfway Home. Why do I love this? The hand claps. The the Beach Boys like boom, 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 boom. The repeat, like which you know, that repeats through the track at different times, and, and the chorus hook, where it, it just changes up completely with the falsetto vocals and the the big chord changes. To me, I love a good album opener. Oh, it's and one 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 thing that I when I was listening to it over the last few days in in the headphones is there's this one one note drone of fuzz that starts from the beginning and doesn't stop till the end. And it sort of it, it moves up and down really slightly, really subtly, but it it's there from the the very first second till the last second, which I think is really cool. And it's got the polyrhythmic hand claps happening through it. It's mate, Tunde said in concert that this song was about anyone who lost someone that they could never see again. Musically though, those doo wop hooks, man, it it gets me every time. I don't know. Halfway home. What do you reckon, mate? Do you think do you think it was a good representation for the the rest of the 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 album at the time? Like when you yeah. play it first time ever, like you play that, do you think it sort of it blends with everything else that that follows? Yeah, absolutely. I think we can see in in the lyrics coming through, you can pick up on some of the themes that are touched on again throughout Dear Science. There's it's a change of and it's it's nice because. You think about that compared to the way that Watch the Day Away ends from Return to Cookie Mountain into the start of this one, Halfway Home for Dear Science. Like, oh, this is like a bit of a new chapter. This is a new style and something new from TV on the radio totally. So it's like, and that idea of like evolution of the band, it's not going to stay the same and make the same album over and over again. All right, we'll, we'll spin Halfway Home now so we can get your uh, first podium finisher. That was halfway home, so that was easily the best song on Dear Science, or was it, Dan? What's your number three? <laughs> yeah, in an absolute breakaway from form, uh, I'm leaving Return to Cookie Mountain and heading to the back end of Dear Science for my favourite acronym song, <laughs> my favourite three-letter song that there is, D-L. Z or DLZ for the Australian <laughs> listeners. Um, okay, so do you know what DLZ stands for? Yeah, yeah. Um, the acronym's DLZ, Dawn of a Loser. Ah. Yeah, it's just. What a track. And like, 
it's it comes in just that, that kicking in and just there's an atmosphere of, of angst it's an atmosphere of just being threatening in the song like we chatted about and like so it's absolutely no surprise that then this is the song chosen to be used in like a, a pretty iconic scene in um in breaking bad when you just see Walter White flip totally and I it's been a while since I've watched Breaking Bad so I can't remember when it was but it's um yeah when it but when I was first watching that at the time and they're in the car park and just see it and it's like holy shit yes that's the exact song that you need to have if you're like stopping being this loser his character was and licking it in it's like now it's the dawn of Walter White like this is the dawn of everything I watched that scene today Immediately watching it again, like I haven't watched Breaking Bad for so long as well, but the second I started watching it, it puts you on edge. When Walter turns, and like like you said, this is basically that critical moment. He's he's in the the hardware store and and a, yeah, a, yeah. a junkie meth wannabe meth. You know, he, he's in there. He's got the yeah. trolley full of all the equipment that he requires to set up a meth lab, and and Walter's at this point still being nice he's sort of just grinning saying to him oh look you got the wrong matches and and then this guy just takes off out of the store and then walter's lining up at the the checkout and it clicks in his mind he's like wait up ding 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 and it it zooms in on his face and he's like these pricks i do it and and he just (laughs) he just leaves his two i forget what he was buying but two tens and he just walks slowly out the door and you can see him across in the car park and walks across. And it's when he drops those two tins, the DLZ kicks in. And, man, it's just the – I'm getting goosebumps right now because it was – it's just it, – it like you, the word you said, menacing, was the best way to describe both that scene and this song. It's it's frightening. And, and I just – I love the motifs that goes along with the song. Like the, the constant lyrics is thrown back to it's like, this is beginning to feel like, yeah, you know, this is beginning to feel like the dawn of the loser forever. This is beginning to feel like the dog wants a bone. This is beginning to feel like the dog's lost the lead. Like I, I want something to attack. I've lost the lead. I've lost control of what I'm going in for. It's like things are getting totally out of hand with what's going on here. Uh, fuck it. I'm this putting this in my five. Like- is it too late? <laughs> <laughs> the long winded blues of this, of the never. Uh. Um, and, I, and that's something that I actually, uh, I'm a pretty simple man, but in my lyrics, I, I like that if I can remember it easily, and if you've got the same words being thrown back in the whole way through the verse, this is beginning to feel like it's going to get me going every oh. time with it. And then that's like juxtaposed so nicely with the la, 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 la. Like how are so many la, la, la is so threatening? I know. It's such a tune. Such a great song. Yeah. Um, you can't have it. It's not even in my five. It's in my three. It's in the podium. I might move it up later on. <laughs> oh, man. It's just, you've nailed it. Never mind, death professor. That is a fucking good song. I really wish I'd picked that. <sighs> anyway, we'll just move on to my number two. Number two. Now, this is the, the first and possibly only entry in our two fives. It's one from one of the, the later albums. I think this one's on, I haven't even actually noted it, but I think it's off the nine 
is it nine shades of light? Nine, nine types of light. Nine types of light. I can picture the front cover, the red cover. So it is, oh, it's another album opener. It just seems to be a trait. Surprise, surprise. But yeah. this album opener is called Second Song. So get your <laughs> head around that. So Second Song, for once in their catalogue, and it's a bit of a rarity, but Adabimpe's voice in the opening verse of this is actually just crystal clear. You can hear every lyric he says, you know, completely coherently. It, the, the verse itself is not what really grabbed me. The verse is is simplistic in a way, and I think that's why I've always never really considered it until this, this last month or so when I've been playing it because after that first verse, it has what I think is one of the greatest pre-chorus or lead up to a chorus in any of their songs. And the, the, the straightforward verse actually helps that because now that I listen to it, I'm like, I know there's this really amazing build about to come and then amazing chorus. And first the pre-chorus, you can feel the bass lifting and you've got this all of a sudden this the the oral space in your in your headphones is starting to fill up. And then the chorus hits you in this way. So step one, the woo-woo-oo's come back. Step two, trumpets and horn arrangements. And then number three, the sexy falsettos are back. And, mate, sit in the car, turn it up as loud as I can, and then it, it tails off a little bit again, but the, the second chorus builds in a lot quicker. And my favourite part of the whole song is this incredible brass outro at the, the very end of the, the song. That it, It's the, the very climax. And for people that have listened to the album and, and maybe passed on it, I'd love for you to go back. Just make sure you listen to it all the way through because the back two-thirds of this song is just next level. It's, it makes you feel alive and it's, it's actually a pretty positive song from a band that generally has some, you know, a lot of serious or angry or, you know, they're, they're trying to have a go from a political sense and all the rest, whereas this one is, is a little bit more, I guess, happy in a way. There it is, second song. And, um, yeah, while we were in the break there, last he just mentioned that he's not a fan of it. But, um, you know, <laughs> you can't win them all. Um, but hey, it's a personal opinion, personal <laughs> choice. I'm all for it. <laughs> Live your truth, Hulk. So, uh, look, I'm, I'm sure this song will be a little bit more of a contrast against second song. So, lastly, <laughs> unveil your number two. Yeah, going back to... Um, away from some of any of the, the newer releases, back to their first full-length release of Desperate Youth and Bloodthirsty Babes, which is a cracking album title, by the way. Mm. Um, 
almost 20 years old this album which is crazy to me oh. and moving away from what i know is going to come up later in the list and there's not much space left in the list i'm not going with staring at the sun i am going with the acapella tune smack bang in the middle ambulance by tv on the radio ambulance is another one of those ones that just i think i like the songs that stick out like a bit of a sore thumb Actually, and I, and I like the songs that just have that different element, that different taste. It's just like, okay, we've given you some rock, we've given you all the guitars, we can play our fuzzy guitars, we can play our distortion, we've got Dave, who's going to produce all of this all up to the wazoo. But like I said, we've also got cracking voices, and let's hear them now. And we love love songs. So how do we give you an acapella love song on our feature, on our like debut rock album? Fuck. Like, I think it's just such a bold choice it's such a cool choice and another one that you watch live and it's just like mesmerizing to see you can be playing this full-on rock show like in a stadium rock almost like that's how big teeth on the radio are and they're just okay we're gonna break it down with our acapella version of ambulance now like what and i think this one comes from early like experimentation of the vocalist and Edempe by himself, just using the loop machine, getting the vocals going, and like, man, such a great song. Just such a really cool love song, and just like writing a love song, but like the crux of your love song is like, I'm going to be your ambulance if you have a crash, and I'm going to be there for you in that moment. Like, take a song that's part of Morbid, and yeah. take a song that's just, it's not a Taylor Swift love song, right? <laughs> Do th- does it feel like almost like an obsessive love song? Yeah, yeah, fully. Yeah, it definitely could be. I don't know. I'm and fine with that for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like even like the fact that it is a cappella and, and it, it does sound like some of the lyrics are very, very much about like coming from his direction to say, look, you are my everything. I, you know, to the point of I'll be your ambulance. And yeah. maybe like the no music is just so there's even more focus on just it's just you and me this song you and me and the the yeah. fact that it's smack in the middle of the album like do you think like that had to be on purpose as well it's almost like everything around it just gravitates to that that central yeah. ambulance you know so unique for sure it's it's really one of those ones that's always going back to and just like some great things it's constantly find myself singing to it. I, I love the lyrics, like, I'll be your ambulance, but you'll be my accident. Oh, yeah, like this obsessive stuff is like this morbid, this almost grotesque, I'll be your screech and crash, but you'll be my clutch and cast. Like, yeah. it's like the wrong type of yin and yang mixing together. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, we're not really made for each other because look what's happening when we get together. It's a car crash, it's a literal car crash yeah. when we're together. But I really, really want it and I really love it. So I love that's my take on it. I don't know if that's actually the meaning. Tonight will be your one more time. 
That is, yeah, what a great pick, man, number one. That is, That's oh, no, sorry, number two. Number two, we still got your number one to come. That's Man, how could, it, how could there be space for more? I know, I know. I thought you were peaking right then. Okay, <laughs> well, we'll get my number one out of the way so we can get to, get to Grand Pumba, yours. And my number one. <laughs> number one. Is now... The version of this, there's two versions of this. The song part of it is exactly the same, but the intro is a little bit different. And I have to say, my version for number one, it has to be off the Young Liars EP edition in 2003. And the song is Staring at the Sun. Now, the reason the Young Liars edition is important is it, it has a I don't know, 20, 25 second intro before it kicks in and it, it's got a lot more of those woos and and those signature sort of uh, whales, well, not whales, but I don't know how you describe it. But you need that because it sets a tone before the the super heavy fuzzy bass kicks in. And and Mm -hmm. then the other interesting thing that, and it's, it's a reason I do actually love this song so much, is a lot of songs follow a pattern, you know, they start up, they build, they get a crescendo and then an outro or, you know, verse, chorus, bridge, repeat. But with this one, it sort of never breaks wide open. It it, it gets to a point and it's it's almost like stays waist height for the the whole song, which is, you know, that sounds terrible to a degree, but... It's not in this case. Like the blurry bass lines, the distorted single guitar notes layered right through it, and the lyrics, which are simultaneously abstract and explicit through it, it just makes this beautiful piece that I could play over and over. You know, you could almost tack it on the end and I'd be happy. The The band has noted that the lyrics are about death, but a lot of people still seem to think that it's, it's predominantly about sex. I think it's a bit of both. Mm-hmm. But... You're staring at the sun, you're standing in the sea, your mouth is open wide, you're trying hard to breathe. The water's at your neck, you're lightning in your teeth, your body's over me. Man, I just, it's it's always, like, I think in the early days when I didn't know TV on the radio all that well, and and really it was like wolf like me and staring at the sun, and then you sort of introduced me to so much more of the band and, and I've grown with it since, but staring at the sun has stuck with me the whole way and and Absolutely. I always find like if you still love a song just as much when you play it today as you did, you know, whatever it was, 20 years ago. Yeah, 20 years ago. That's, yeah, Young Life is 20 years old. Yeah, Jeez. unbelievable. So I'll leave it there. I'll play a piece from Staring at the Sun now and then – I get to hear the uh, insights of Lasty's number one, which I'm absolutely pumped to hear.
So I'm done. I'm nice done. Time. Thank you. Well done. Good five. Very Th- good five. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for letting me have the two hits. Yeah. Appreciate that. <laughs> All right. So, lasty, your number one. List. Uh, yeah. Unveil it. Like I think already, just before you unveil it, your four have been so unique. And for people out there that haven't heard a lot of the TV on the radio, I think they're going to walk away with a whole new idea of what they're capable of so i've got a feeling that number one will be along those same lines but talk me through this one yeah well absolutely number one is probably one that maybe people don't even know at all and it goes back to young lions which turns 20 this year and my number one tv in the radio song and i've when you you know set the task to pick your five songs of one of your favorite bands of all time and then the Instant urges to go for the, mag- the mega hits that have made you know, TV and the radio such an acclaimed band o- over the world and such a like a stadium band and a festival, like absolute must see, like Wolf Like Me, like Stand the Sun. But for me personally, in my moments when I need just focus or when I need a sense of just grounding, this song, this eight minute slow burn. <laughs> <laughs> is um, an eight-minute slow burn love song from their first EP. From is one that I always will go back to, and it is "Blind" by TV on the radio. Nice. It is my number one pick. It's my favorite by them. And maybe if you did the maths, it might be the song that I've listened to for the most minutes, just because it's the longest song <laughs> of theirs that I listened to. Um, so it counts the three like dancing shoes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but we talked about like you know love these songs I love songs like Dancing Shoes I love crying when we were I was like having a think about it again I, I love those hits on the newest stuff that I've like neglected to talk about completely in this podcast I actually really really like Will Do I think that's another great love song um, I think there's some beautiful songs that are on the newest stuff but for me, TV on the radio goes back to that moment in time of like of university of twenty years ago of like I'm young and I can do anything and I, and I want this and blind is a song I always come back to every single time and it's not your like it's it's not your big rock song at all like it's just another slow slow tune rolling through that they've managed it's, it's a twenty year old song. When it's, it's played live still quite a bit, but it's sped up totally when they play it. So they play it as a rock song now to get through it because, like, you can't play a nine-minute set, a nine-minute song and your 50-minute set if you've got that. So they race through blind when they play it now. But it's just, I love all of those other songs. But it just, for me, when I listen to TV on the radio, I go back to this song more than anything. And I think it's because, like, at heart, I feel like I'm, like, I love these. I, I love the love songs, actually. Like, I like things that this is really meant to be, and this is a just a simple song of a guy, and there's like a this idea of obsession coming through the game, filling out. Um, when when you said before that it's slow motion, like I think that's a really appropriate word for it. It's almost like a, a drugged out slow motion. This song, and yeah, and yeah, yeah. while some songs are, are super catchy, this is one of those songs that just gets ingrained in your soul as you as you've played it over and over which you obviously have it's oh man I, I just think it's such it's a haunting track yeah i've got i've got memories of like actually this is kind of embarrassing but i've got really good memories of like solo travel with like tv on the radio in the headphones and just exploring new cities for the first time and having blind as your backing track as you're like walking through the in a suburb of Seoul for the first time. Yeah. It's like a really cool, at night, at like 11 p.m. at night, like, this is a really cool experience. Just have that whole same thing keeping you going. And just yeah. these lyrics coming through. Save yourself, I'll save you all the time. And just that droning going through mm-hmm. all the whole time. Like that's, that's something that has absolutely um, 
stuck with you for 20 years, clearly. Yeah. And I think, like I said, I think the band must still fucking love the song because they, well, before they're on hiatus eight years ago. Yeah. But it was still one they would bust out and play. Great, great story, great song. Just brilliant um, way to see the song evolve. And again, I've talked a lot about like a lot of my appreciation for TV on the radio is obviously listening to Spotify, listening whenever I can, but deep dives by myself on my loneliest points or whatever and checking out the YouTube videos that I can find and finding new live performances and new content of them and seeing that they've come back to this song, you know, over two decades to revamp. It's like, okay, this must be a song that exactly means something to the band. So, yeah. man, I love it. Smile her name Her face like yours She smiled the same Yep, brilliant number one, mate. Your, your whole five was exquisite. I'm really happy that you came on and gave us that insight. And I think like the way that a lot of your selections were through personal experience, you know, whether it's live experience or things that have happened in your life that that re- recall these songs in in these vivid ways. I th- I think that's the one of the great things about music and and. For your five to be around that makes it a lot more special, I think, than someone going in and, and rattling off the, the singles like Hulsh. So, um, nah, I, I'm really proud of my five too, but I, I just think your five, for people out there, it's going to be really awesome for them to have those taste tests today of that. And, and hopefully some of you guys out there will go and try some of, the, of TV on the radio's earlier stuff because I'm sure some listeners have probably heard the – the happy idiots and the will do's and that that came out about a decade ago but it's really a lot of the earlier work with with some beautiful layering and and lots of different influences used you you should dive in and and play those albums and eps for that matter from start to back lasty so good to have you on mate Yes, thank you very much. I was just going to say the, the number ones from both of us coming in off the Young Liars EP. Yeah, what's you can the cut out the middleman. Just go straight back to Young Liars. Yeah, it's a short <laughs> listen. You know that'll that'll be a good starter for everyone. But um, how many pints are you in into the at the pub there now, mate? This is just just Budvar number two for me. But I think maybe we'll stick around, catch up, have one. Yeah, it sounds like a plan to me. Oh, man. <laughs> now, nah, I, I had an absolute ball tonight. And thank you, everyone that's out there listening. If you enjoyed tonight's episode or any of the mini episodes of my Hulsh 100 that have started to, to click into gear, please subscribe and also join our Facebook group where we will be announcing upcoming artists and when the episodes drop. Till next time, I hope you enjoy the playlist. Thank you. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thanks for doing this. Thank you so much, mate. Cheers.